0: I am Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. True podcast 100%. 100% what? 100% all the way. Primo uncut podcast. What antiques are we talking about this week? By popular request, we're going to talk about tape measures. Oh joy! This was requested by antiques freak friend Leah, who posted some fabulous examples of vintage and antique tape measures. In our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. Which you can join if you want to make suggestions, ask questions, or show me things. Now, do we all know what a tape measure is? A length of tape with measured increments marked off. Yep. The end. Also considered a flexible ruler. Oh, well then. That can be made of cloth, fiberglass, plastic, or metal. The concept of a tape measure probably goes back as far as the existence of string that you could put ink on, but what we're talking about is sort of the spring-loaded tape measure. The kind that rolls itself back up after you're done with it. Exactly. Or even beyond that, just a tape measure that can be spooled in and out of a container of some sort. The earliest known reference to a tape measure that would be somewhat similar to the tape measures we think of today, which I included straight mostly for the sort of galling reality that it represents, was a man sent to Australia penal colony in 1838 for stealing, and I quote, a ribbon measure of cloth that spooled into a metal container with a wooden ring on the end. An excellent description of an early tape measure. A galling reason to send a man to a penal colony. They sent people to Australia for way less than that. That's hard to imagine. That's as small as crime gets in my mind. I mean, that's not even getting into the things that shouldn't be criminalized, but you know. Well, I mean, yeah. Now, in 1842, we have what might be considered the grandpapa of tape measures. A James Chesterman of England worked at a factory that produced busks. Busks and crinolines. A busk being a long,
1: flat piece of stiff material inserted down the front of the bodice of a dress to lend support. You can find several beautiful whalebone examples of these in the New Bedford Whaling Museum. They were a favorite scrimshaw piece among sailors because you could only make it for someone who wore gowns who you we were particularly close with because it would be worn right up against their skin. Extremely naughty. So saucy. A crinoline is a support under the skirt that makes the skirt look fuller which originated in the fashion of wearing all of your skirts at the same time to prove you owned that many skirts, so they stuck out real far, and then they realized, wait, this is really hot and really heavy and really impractical, what if we just put some kind of support structure underneath a few layers of skirts that makes it look like we're wearing all of our skirts at once, to give us that fullness that proves we have money.
0: And it also caught your skirts on fire fairly frequently. Well, you know, by increasing
1: the diameter of your skirts, it does mean you You have to walk a lot further away from the fire
0: than you think you do to not catch fire. Very true. Oops. Which would be one of the reasons crinolines would go out of fashion. And then the bustle. And then the bustle. Big butt. Every day we're bustling. Back that bustle up. But as a manufacturer of crinolines, James Chesterman had a problem when they went out of fashion. His customers were no longer on fire, and he had a lot of excess flat wire. So he used these flat wire, spooled them up, and etched them with length markings. He would start to sell them in eighteen sixty-five as steel band measuring chains, steel spelt S T E A L. And I don't know why that is. Sure. So yeah, they would have graduated markings, and he what he sold them to was engineers and surveyors. Now, at the time, engineers and surveyors used huge bulky chains to measure out tracts of land. That's very funny. Yeah. Just as an image. <laughs> just dragging a chain across a field. Yeah, they would mark it out with a chain and then measure the chain very time-consumingly up against, like, a folding rule or something to that effect. And it all sucked very badly. Chesterman said that his product had equal strength, greater correctness, is easier to clean, and to coil and uncoil, and is very much lighter and more compact. All of which I suspect was true. I believe him implicitly. So true, in fact. Do you want to guess how much in today's money he sold them for? At least four bajillion. Give me a real number. That's not a real number. (laughs) (laughs) Several hundreds of millions of today money. $17 in the United States as of 1865. About $300 in today money. That's many dollars. It's a hell of an investment. (laughs) 1868 is when you would see multiple patents in the US for what would be considered a modern spring tape measure in which it would spool itself back up automatically. While it's uncertain if those were ever constructed, what we do know is that in 1871 Justice Rowe and Sons introduced a steel length of wire with regular metal studs along it called the Rose Electric Wheel. It was not a wheel, it was not electric. <laughs> Um, Amazing. But it did extremely well. It was not remotely what it claimed to be, and yet. It was none of what it claimed to be, but it did measure pretty decently. Fantastic. Surprisingly, though, despite Justice Rowan's sons with the electric wheel and their own version of etched steel ribbon tape that could spool itself, the click spring steel tape measure that we use today did not attain everyday use until the 1940s. Damn. Was it because of that $300 price tag? No. Obviously, the price went down as time moved into the 1940s. You say obviously. Obviously. (laughs) I do not know that it is obvious. Well, the price went down with greater manufacturing ability. But everyone's favorite measuring device, particularly mobile measuring device, was the folding wooden rule. People would hold on to the folding wooden ruler for a very long time. Until the click-spring retractable tape measure had one thing added to it. Advertising. Oh! You see, 1920s ad print technology had advanced to the point where you could print stuff on all kinds of things. Gone were the days it had to be a specific piece of paper. And so Jasper Freeman Meek of Tuscarora Advertising and H.D. Beach of Standard Advertising as we know it both offered separately lines of small retractable tape measures with printed advertisements on them. So as with a lot of items, the addition of cute illustrations and collectability would absolutely throw at full speed the click spring measuring tape into the future. Making it so standard that sometimes people, even podcast hosts, Never even think to consider their history. Speak for yourself, but sure. You did? I grew up next door to stare at Tool Factory. I'm never not thinking about tape measures. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Ken has tape measure on the brain. (laughs) If you need to measure something, he's your guy. That's true, you did grow up near uh, a variety of tool companies, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and now they sell weed. Pretty tight. Honestly, very tight. It's a glow up we love to see. Now, if you're interested in collecting tape measures, Good news! Not a lot of people are doing that. (laughs) Competition is slim.
1: (laughs) Almost as slim as a tape measure.
0: As a very thin, beautiful little tape measure, perhaps for a Victorian lady. There are two main types of tape measures. The sewing tape measure, which is made of cloth, plastic, or any mixture of other fibers... And the carpenter's tape measure, which is made of metal. Curved thin steel being the most likely.
1: Now I just want to write a romance between a tailor and a carpenter. And like one has to bend his firm upright personality. And the other one has to learn to stand up for himself and not be quite so flexible all the time.
0: So you're writing like a fun little fable, it sounds like. You know. So, you know, it's got romance, adventure, and a a lesson. And the lesson is... Buy tape measures. Now, identifying the age of a tape measure for an advertising tape measure can be as easy as looking at who was advertising on it. Wow. But for people who don't have that luxury, in terms of very generally, leather cased tape measures are older. However, this does really run the gamut, but it is a good at a glance, is this tape measure vintage or an antique? If it's got a leather casing, highly likely yes. Metal casing can be frustratingly thwartsome, because while that is what they use today, it is also what they used yesterday and the day before that. There are notable exceptions. A Victorian's ladies tape measure would possibly be smaller and have ornate etching. Don't know what the broads were doing with it to be 100% with you, but the, I they had them. Wow! I, well, what were they doing? Measuring! Now, some materials are easier to pinpoint the dates of. We have celluloid. Bad idea, but <laughs> God help me, no one's ever going to stop you from collecting celluloid, so here we go. Do you wish your tape measure was more on fire? Do you wish that your tape measure had a disease that it could give to your other tape measures? For more on that, check out our celluloid episode. <laughs> celluloid. The worst plastic ever made. TM. <laughs> <laughs> However, it was used in making tape measure casings from the 1850s to the nineteen forties. Wow. Although its popularity saw a pretty intense dip around the nineteen twenties, which is when ba-ba-ba bakelite was introduced. Ah. Bakelite and a little appreciated early plastic called Catalin. These had the good fortune of not bursting into flames randomly and generally being a lot more sturdy, and not having STDs that they could give to other pieces of plastic.
1: Yay.
0: You see Bakelite and Catalin as early as the 1920s and as late as the 1940s, where plastic development of all kinds would taper off in favor of other materials. Another thing to consider is what does it look like? There are figural tape measures. Hell yeah. There is a bronze spider tape measure where the tape measure comes out of its abdomen like it's the webbing. Amazing. That's awesome. That rules. Need that. The coolest thing I've ever heard. You've got a typical very frightening clown where the tape measure comes out of his mouth like his big goofy tongue. I'd rather have the spider, personally. Same. Same. heart. same. Disney got in on the game, we've got some figural Disney Mickey and Minnie Mouse tape measures, and boy howdy the price on that. And even newer ones, say 1958, Holt Howard actually had a line of figural tape measures, such as the ceramic kitten tape and pin box, which hit a gavel price of $45. Quite reasonable in my opinion, especially considering I would love to have a ceramic kitten tape measure. Figurals are a super hot commodity. They are the tape measure to have. They will sell the fastest. Although, tape measures of unusual materials, like I said Bakelite, Catalin, Celluloid, are highly collectible, at least as much as all Bakelite items are, and then a little more for being something practical. And you can also look for brands, Zippo, made tape measures in the 1960s. And also old Stanley models are highly collectible, as the Stanley brand of tools has a pretty rabid following which unsurprisingly does translate into antiques and antiquary. And that is all she wrote on tape measures. They are not written about an awful lot, as it turns out, which does make them very competitive price-wise. Sources for today include Wired.com, This Day in Tech, CollectorsWeekly.com, Tools and Hardware, Slash Tape Measures, and Cosmic Dreams with a K and a Z, Tape Measures. (laughs) If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at AntiquesFreaksPodcast
1: at gmail.com. You can post our Facebook group at AntiquesFreaksFriends. You can tag us on Tumblr at AntiquesFreaks.tumblr.com. Or you
0: can check out our Instagram at Instagram.com slash AntiquesFreaks. If you liked thinking about how bad celluloid is as a plastic, feel free to scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review. Five stars. I too hate celluloid. And if you would like to check out a selection of vintage and antique goods and
1: t-shirts and stickers with the podcast logo on them, you can check out our Etsy at Etsy.com slash shop slash AntiquesFreaks. Or if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, hit up our Patreon at patreon.com slash Antiques Freaks, where every week we read and review a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire of the Feast of Blood. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.